This is Paul Lam, and you're listening to the Path of Just Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you unleash the beast from within so you can fearlessly pursue your own path and passion. Join me on this weekly journey filled with inspiring stories and actionable contents. Become a Path Hunter today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Path Hunters Podcast here today. Hope you guys are all doing great today. You know, I recently just went to go and print out some pictures for my vision board. I wanted to take vision boards in a whole entire way. I know that, you know, some vision boards, it's different for everybody. And and you're going to have to turn it to yourself and everything like that. So I went to go grab a bunch of collages, put it all together. I'm telling you, it was definitely something amazing. I literally carry my vision board. It's a small little cork board. It's not too big. And it's something where I, you know, I, I love switching up environments. Um, either in my room or go downstairs or anything like that. And I bring this uh, cork board with me. And just whenever I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm doing work, I always kind of take a moment just to look at it, stretch and stand up and take a breather. And it's something that, you know, that really helped me and try that for yourself. You know, vision boards, I know everybody takes a different approach for it and everybody kind of vibes with their own way with it. But this is how I vibe with it. And right now, there's a lot of pictures of, you know, literally my whole entire life encapsulated into this whole entire thing, you know, what I want to do in the community and and where I see myself. And this also brings together my guest today because, you know, my guest is a best-selling author, TEDx speaker, surf-loving nomad, and entrepreneur. And he had visions of all this beforehand, you know, you know, he envisioned all this into his own life. Jake Halbrun into the podcast today is going to be so amazing and stoked to have him here on the podcast. It's so cool to have him here because like, he, he talked about his whole entire journey after high school and going into, you know, making decisions and dropping out of college and going out and, and going out and writing his book and, and going after his dreams. And it's so exciting to have him here into the podcast. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Jake Howell. Ladies and gentlemen, Path Hunters, I have an awesome guest here today. You know, we have so much in common, like I said, uh, you know, so much in common and that we have a lot of tech, you know, like, you know, tech issues right now only because like, you know, there's something that's like this, a sign or something where, like we have to persevere through or whatever it is, Jake. You know, I have Jake Halbrun in the house here, TEDx speaker, um, you know, author, blogger, world traveler, you know, dude, what is going on? <laughs> Not much, man. I'm stoked that we got to get past the technical difficulty and now we're live. So I'm excited to be talking with you. Oh, man. Same here. Dude, I have so many questions. And, and, and like after, you know, after so much, man, like you graced the TEDx stage at age 20. You know, you wrote a best-selling book, and then at 18 years old, you you decided to go work, like travel around the world and stuff. You know, how do you even get to this point in time? And I guess like I'll, I'll get I'll let you steer the ship from here because like I want to dive into your story and what it's like for you and 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 dude traveling. Of course, yeah, it's so funny because uh, I'm 21 now, and if someone would have told me when I graduated high school that I would have left college and did all these things, I would have called them insane. Uh, it was never my plan. Um, so <laughs> it really all began a couple days after getting to college. I tra- uh, graduated high school, did well in school. And the next step in the community I grew up in was go to college if you could and got good grades. And so I worked really hard and had the opportunity to do so. Although I definitely felt like this sense of hesitancy because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life or what I wanted to study. And I felt conflicted spending all this time, money, and energy in school when my heart really wanted to travel and do a gap year. Although I've kind of pushed that desire aside and I enrolled in in school. And three days after getting to Ohio State, I woke up covered in hives and rashes. Uh, It was all over my legs and my arms and it just was really aggravating. It literally and, and figuratively did not feel comfortable in my own skin. And I saw doctors, immunologists, I had the pills, the creams, the tests, and they didn't know what was wrong. So they diagnosed me with chronic urticaria, which is like a fancy name for saying your skin's freaking out and they don't know why. So they just like give you this fancy name for it. (laughs) Yeah. And man, I just, I just spiraled into this like severe anxiety because I never knew when my skin was going to be just like breaking out. And that led to more skin stuff and anxiety and I fell into this depression and, you know, I was still doing well in school. I 
I had my Instagram looked cool like you would have never known <laughs> that I was struggling. I, I hid it from pretty much everyone, but I was really struggling. Uh, again, like severe anxiety. It felt like a ball was like rolling up in my throat. And it kind of led me towards this existential crisis at 18 years old. I remember just thinking about, you know, the purpose of life, like asking myself, why am I here? You know, what is the purpose of this? Why am I in school? And this, I remember this 21-year-old girl was killed in a car accident just off campus. And I really started to think about, you know, what if that was me? And would I go out knowing that I was living a life true to myself? And man, that, that question just opened up this desire for me to, to take a leave from school and travel. Like it was all I could think about, but I was scared to do that because no one I knew was doing that. Everyone was kind of staying in school. My older sister was in college doing really well, a couple of years older. My parents both went to college and, you know, no one I knew did anything really different. So then, yeah, everything changed. It was this, I went back for the second semester. It was the first day back. And I don't know, are you familiar with Ohio State football by any chance? No, I'm not, to be honest. But yeah, yeah. I didn't either, but they were in the national championship football game. And in Ohio, like football is a religion. And Ohio State was like the biggest deal. <laughs> and and they win the game and it's like this insane celebration thousands of students swarming through campus parties bonfires lighting off fireworks like this madness and and everyone's having the time of their life and and I take up a, a picture on my Instagram and post it to Instagram of the celebration and and I'll never forget uh waking up the next morning and I have a, you know a little hungover and just feeling completely awful absolutely miserable. I had all these notifications on my phone of people saying like, congrats on the game, man. You must be so happy. Uh, you know, it seemed like you're killing it out there. Like go, you know, all these things. And, and I felt like I was lying to myself and I was lying to the world because I did not want to be in school. And I felt like a fish out of water in this environment where everyone else seemed to be so happy. And I wasn't. Yeah. And I went to see a career counselor that day because I, I couldn't make it to class. Like I, I really felt stuck. Uh, like I never had a panic attack, but I really felt like I was on the verge of one. And this counselor, I had seen her a couple times the first semester to talk about career stuff because I didn't know what I wanted to study. And she, it really turned into almost therapy. She became aware of my skin stuff, my mental health stuff, and just was someone I could confide in. Um, and I didn't feel comfortable confiding in anyone else. And she asked me two questions that day. And the first one she said is, if you leave school and, and travel, what is the worst thing that could happen? And so I start thinking about it. And I, and I say these things aloud to her and I'm almost laughing because I tell her, I think I'm going to end up this huge failure who's never going to amount to anything. I might contract some disease and die. I might just be someone who never ever gets a job I'll just be this family failure <laughs> and so I say these fears aloud to her right and it's so funny because in my head they sounded awful but when I said them aloud it didn't seem like that realistic you know and then she says okay well you thought about the worst thing that could happen what is the best thing that could happen and then my mind just starts thinking about this adventure and, and, and meeting people from all over the world and volunteering in a foreign country and, and coming back inspired and changed and with like a different perspective on life. And it was in that moment I looked her in the eyes and I said, OK, I'm doing it. <laughs> and uh, threw out my money back for the semester. And that was kind of the, the pivotal moment in my life where I decided I was going to create my own life and write my own future. That's, that's insane, man. Like that's, that's like, I don't know what's up about Ohio though. Cause like a lot of like this is, um, it's all about like, you know, I, I, like Lewis house. I'm a huge fan of Lewis and, and he's from Ohio as well too. And like, that's crazy for a counselor to give you that kind of advice because that never happened for me actually. And, um, so, so, so that's crazy how they, they, she, she, or, you know, your counselor gave you that push and gave you that little seed to think about the best case scenario. So what happened after that? You went and you just, you know, you know, you, you know, this was the best case scenario that you realistically never had anything to lose. And by the way, my, like, I want to give you, give you kudos because it's like, 
Dude, you're like you were 18 when you were thinking about these kind of same concepts that that people probably get when they're probably 35, 36 and they're at like rock bottom in life, man. So, you had this experience at roughly 18, right? Yeah, and to touch on that is so in a way and and when I so I do a lot of like speaking at high schools to, like for their mental health uh wellness weeks and things like that and like one of the things I talk about is like how your mess leads to your message. And for me, like in the moment, man, for that six, seven months where I was, I had this awful chronic hives and, and rashes, like it was a living hell for me. Uh, and I couldn't see past it. I thought that the end of my life was screwed because they were like, you know, your this skin condition will not kill you. It's not like life threatening. It just very significantly affects your quality of life. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, that's comforting. Uh, but the blessing in the skin stuff, man, was that it it really made me ask those difficult questions about, you know, life and death and purpose and what if there's another way. So that curse, it really was a blessing in disguise that allowed me to think about those things. Like cause to your point exactly, some people don't think about those things till they're on their deathbed yeah. and realizing I wish I would have done something differently. 100%. And so in my case, you know, I got a little lucky that I had this physical skin thing that I could not ignore. Um, and so, yeah, I think that it was a huge factor in me having this crisis, but even before then I was starting to question it. I think I've always been curious. Um, I've always had this fascination about just other ways of living. I don't know where it stems from. It, it, it's, it's our generation kind of deal, right? It's, it's. It's for whatever reason, we grew up knowing that our parents did this one and single kind of life path. And, and we all know that we're all capable of doing it. But we, we almost want to entertain the idea of like, there's something better than this. There's, there, could there be? Who knows? Right? And because of that, we actually are courageous enough to go and do that. But we almost kind of, we almost seek for like permission for you was the counselor. So, so the counselor was almost like a tipping point of like that little seed was like, okay, I almost want to try this. So, so, so going from that point, what did you do after and like actively did like, cause this is not that long ago. This was like what, three years ago, right? Yeah. And to make one comment about the counselor, which I love what you said before is man, I, and I thanked her, I sent her like things have come full circle with the counselor. It's really cool because when she was with me, I was at a really low point and man, like she really cared about me as a person, not about a student. Like she had no agenda with me. Like it wasn't about staying in school or not staying in school. She was there to just help me as a human being, which I think is so powerful because she didn't tell me to leave school or not to leave school. She, she let me make my decision. All she did was help me see it clearly. So I think that's just one thing I'd love to just share is like, you know, how powerful someone like that is. Cause I've known that woman for less than 10 hours collectively in my entire life. Yet she's made arguably one of the top differences. So that's crazy. And then, yeah, it's quite, it's quite interesting. Cause when I tell people my story today, they're like, it sometimes just seems like this fluid journey where things just happen perfectly. And it, <laughs> it's far from it. Yeah. So I get home, uh, I come home and I, I still have my skin stuff, which is not, is not really helping out too much uh, or getting any better. And I start working to save up money for my travels. I had like 3,000 bucks or like 2,000 bucks when I came home. So I started working. And about a month after coming home, I had this, like I was starting to research all these different things. And I had this really bad skin breakout, uh, like all over my, it was like I'm on my face, which wasn't typical. And it was just like burning. And I just had this total breakdown. I just felt like this biggest failure. Like I didn't really tell anyone I left school because I felt so ashamed of it. Um, I felt like this failure who couldn't handle college. I felt just ashamed of myself and I thought the skin condition was going to ruin my life. And in that moment, like after I had my pity party, I just remember looking in the mirror and saying, I'm going to travel with or without my skin condition and I'm going to do this. I was like a no, no turning back moment. And then I found this opportunity on a site called Workaway. Are you familiar with Workaway? Yeah, I think so. It sounds, sounds familiar. It's like similar to remote year, right? Well, so Workaway is a site that connects volunteers and hosts from around the world. So you just like make a profile and you can connect. So I would be a Workaway or a mm. traveler. And then I just find different volunteer opportunities all over the world. And you just kind of like apply for them and reach out. 
So I saw this one in Guatemala and it said, whatever your skill set may be, the people of Baten need your help. And it was this like l- small rural town in the north of Guatemala, no English speakers other than the couple people who were volunteering there. And we'd be living in the shack next door to this family and, and like live with the family and teach English and, and help with community projects. And, and it just called out to me. And I remember I emailed the guy. I'm like, hey, man, I'm 18. I have zero professional skills, but I'm willing to work as hard as I can. I really want to make a difference and I can maybe teach English and soccer. And <laughs> we hop on a Skype call. He's a really cool dude. And he's like, come on over, man. We'd love to have you. So, uh, <laughs> that was that. And then I, I booked a one-way flight that left in a month from the time we got off that call. That's crazy. That's wild. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It was cool. Cause for me, like travel, you know, everyone wants to travel for different reasons. And for me, it was like different way of life. I wanted to volunteer. I wanted to know what it was like to be a local in the culture. And it just kind of fit all those needs for me. And, uh, so I decided I wasn't going to bring a cell phone either because kind of like that Instagram short, uh, why I shared that part about Instagram before was like, I was just comparing myself to all these other people Mm. and trying to make my life seem like this cool, perfect thing. And, and I just realized I needed to get away from social media. Like I wasn't using it in a very healthy way and I just needed to live life in the moment and kind of like disconnect to reconnect (laughs) if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't want to put a timestamp on my travels because I didn't know if I was going to be gone a month or like a year. So I did a one-way flight and I, I left with about $3,500. Uh, and I figured with volunteering, I could make it stretch and I was just going to see what I could do. So that's kind of how it, it happened. And then I set off on this journey and the, the, the email he sent me was hilarious. It was like, when you get to Guatemala, take a taxi to the bus station and take this nine-hour bus to this town. Take a tuk-tuk here <laughs> and ask for Chris the Gringo because the homes have no addresses and there's only Wi-Fi in this one small cafe. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome, though. What, what's the website called, Jake? What, what is it called? Yeah. It's called workaway.com. Workaway.com. We'll reference that in the bottom in case if people want to research that. That was totally off with that site. That's that's amazing, though. Like, that's, that's crazy because, like, you, you – so – man kudos to you man you were like you're brave man like that's 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 like taking it all to a whole other level like I, I commend you for that because like you went ahead you were dealing with something privately and then you were kind of discouraged as well too and then you you even you know you know that there was a call in deep down in you to go travel and after speaking to this counselor now that that you have the seed you really want to do that and then you researched and you just went and volunteered and a month later you took off one-way ticket how long did you go for yeah, so I ended up traveling for about four months. Life changing, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, and and the thing is, like, when I explain kind of those steps and and the things of the unknown, right? Like of getting to this town, it was this odd thing because on the outside it kind of looked a little crazy, and and again, that's why I didn't really tell many people because I didn't want to hear what they had to say because uh, I figured it would probably be a lot of doubt or negativity. Yeah, uh, but for me. I was going for myself like it wasn't about anyone else and I think that was the first time in my life where you know that that moment when I left school you know school and travel are just metaphors but for me it was I took control of my destiny and realized like this is the life that I want to live so even though it was a lot of unknowns and fear about getting this place it was I also felt this odd sense of comfort like almost as if I was being guided because it was like what I wanted to be doing and, and I yeah. wanted to test myself. So yeah, it was kind of interesting. The noise was gone basically, right? Did you, uh, did you like, you didn't bring a cell phone or anything at all? I brought a, uh, it's a fire tablet. It's like a Kindle device. Um, cause I wanted to be able to read books okay. and I could email. So there was a, a little Wi-Fi cafe in the town. So I would like email my parents and stuff oh. and, uh, and that way also I could email other workaway volunteer projects, which I did like two or three on my trip. But it was great because I didn't have any like really social apps or, you know, texting or calling or anything, yeah. which is like was was what I wanted. Man, what did, what did your family think about all this? Like what when you did you tell them or did you just like, hey, here's I'm, I'm leaving next month? <laughs> yeah, great question. I always sometimes forget to address that because I've I've every I've never not gotten asked that question <laughs> like uh, ever. So when 
when I got to school and was having my skin and mental health issues, yeah. uh, I did. I was transparent and open with my parents from day one. Uh, my parents are split up, but I was talking to both of them, and they were both aware. And I've kind of always been like my parents' parenting style was very like lenient in the sense of they never even knew how to check my grades in, in high school. It was just like I would show them my report card. And they'd be like, good job or whatever. But they didn't know how to like log in and check. They just kind of trusted me to figure it out. Yeah. And it was the same with college. Like I, you know, a lot of friends I had, their parents would like do their apps. And it was like, no, not like for me, it was always like they just trusted me to figure all my stuff out. And so for them, it was they didn't even quite know the details of like I like I, I intentionally left a couple things out. Like they didn't know how I was getting there. I just said, oh, I'm taking this bus. I didn't tell them about that. No, the, the address and all that stuff. But so they knew that I wasn't I didn't technically drop out. I, I took a leave of absence and I was like a dean's list student that first semester. So they knew yeah. me doing this wasn't from a lack of effort and it wasn't it was because I needed to heal myself. Like they were aware that I was not doing well. So I think it took a lot of transparent and open communication with both of them. And they were very supportive, like which I'm very grateful for. Uh, because again, it wasn't, I strategically, it wasn't like, it's not like I knew I was going to never go back to school in the moment, although I had a feeling, but I didn't express that to them. It was just, I'm taking a break and doing this. And then, you know, of course, after the trip, things evolved. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Like I, I love that. I love this story because like, it's very similar to mine as well too, that I, you know, uh, I, I'm 27. So, so we're not far off in age and everything. So, so I did the whole corporate nine to five job, Jake, and it's, I hated it, dude. Like I, I just did not, that was not for me, the cubicle kind of job. And I'm like you, like I was very transparent. I always have a great relationship with my mom and I really wanted to tell her a lot of like, you know what, like there's a lot of similar kind of concepts that I thought about like you as well too, where it's like life and death, you know, death can happen anytime. And like, you know, are we truly living life? And then there's the other concept of like me having like visions of myself of like 80 years old, man, when I'm like, and did I truly live looking at this very point in time? Did I even try kind of deal? So telling all this to my mom and I, I, I booked a flight to Thailand and I didn't tell her anything about this. Similar to you as well. Too. I have no idea wow. how I'm going to get there. Like I, I got the flight, but I, I had a specific city in mind, Chiang Mai. And I had no idea what, like how I was going to get there, where I was going to stay. I don't even speak the language. Like it was just no idea like you. And, and that makes it more fun, I think. Yeah, you know, it, it's so cool because, like, I love hearing stories like that. It, it, we definitely have so many parallels. Uh, and also, on a later time, I'd love to pick your brain about Chiang Mai. I've heard so many good things. Yeah. But, yeah, I think it's funny. I had a conversation with a guy yesterday. Uh, it's, like, my sister's friend's friend. He's he's doing his first solo travels in Costa Rica. And he was like, I don't know, like, should I plan stuff or should I kind of wing stuff? And I think it always comes down to the person, right? Like yes. everyone has different needs and, and levels of comfort with certainty and uncertainty. And it might sound like I'm like this total, complete free spirit who wings it. But I actually do plan like a lot. And like my ideal travel is oftentimes kind of plan the first little bit and then leave it open because yeah. like I you know as I'm sure as you know traveling you'll meet someone in a hostel or in a bus station that can change the trajectory of your life and you know oftentimes your travels uh so for me it was like I had followed the rules my whole life uh you know soccer I was ASB vice president I was doing all the things I was supposed to do and it and I still found myself so unhappy and so this was the first time in my life that I knew that I needed to not plan so much and just have faith that things would work out. And that was like what a huge part of the journey was about for me. Oh, man, I love that. That's, 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 that's amazing. So, so, you know, going back to your story here, so, you know, four months into it and you, you finish up, you come back. What what happens then? What happened? Like you, did you have like an epiphany or like did you, what was that like? Yeah, so it's funny. About two months into my travels, I found myself in this this cacao ceremony in Guatemala. Uh, I was in this town called Lake Gatitlan, and I had heard about this like renowned cacao shaman. All my friends in my hostel were like talking about him. They're like, "Yeah, he like does this cool ceremony." You know, it sounded a little out there, but I'm like, you know what? When in Guatemala, right? 
So yeah. we go to the ceremony and it felt like we had time traveled back to Woodstock, like people there with like dreads and, and all ages and like beads and crystals. And it's kind of an interesting scene, but it was really cool. Like again, people of all ages. And then this guy walks out and he looks like he's like a six foot six skinny as a rod version of Dumbledore. It was like the funniest thing. And he's got this like wispy white beard and these circular glasses and this like tie dye shirt. And of course that was like the cacao shaman. Essentially he just explained that cacao which is the purest form of chocolate that grows in Guatemala. He uses that as like a vehicle to help people like connect with himself and their soul and, and get clear. And so he starts a ceremony doing all these exercises and he kind of goes Tony Robbins on a couple of people like helping them. I mean, some of it was really intense with like processing trauma and, and I'm like observing and I'm fascinated, but nothing's really hitting me that differently. I'm just kind of observing. And then about like an hour or two into it, he says, we're going to do this thing called glow meditation where he kind of instructed us to close our eyes and to smile and imagine this ball of white light. And he was guiding us through like this kind of euphoric sense of happiness that we had within ourselves. And I'm just sitting there, like first my eyes are open. I'm like watching everyone else. I'm like, this is the weirdest thing ever. You know, part of me is like very skeptical, but then the other part of me is like, Jake, you're here. Just, just, just go with it and just trust and see what happens. So I'm doing that and I close my eyes and I'm doing what he says. And I feel that like plastic feeling in my cheeks when you're saying cheese too long in like a photo, Yeah. you know, and, but then I'm like, you know, just keep going, just keep going. And then all of a sudden I, I really tune in and I have this vision and I see myself being introduced on a stage and, and there's a thousand people in the audience and the guy who introduced me, he's holding up a book that I wrote and he just said that the book had inspired thousands of young people and adults even to have the courage to listen to their inner voice and pursue what what mattered to them and, and what made them feel alive and then he introduced me and it was like this visceral image like I felt it like palpable in my veins like the adrenaline of being on stage like and looking out and and I just remember like feeling electrified and that night I was with all my friends on this dock we were talking about it and just hanging out and I told them all my vision. It was like kind of scary to tell them this vision. And I'd explained, you know, all the things that led up to that vision were so integral of like my, my confusion and anxiety and the skin stuff. And then going on this trip and then the past two months while I was in Guatemala, my skin started healing, like the chronic aspect of it started going away. I, I, I let go of all these, you know, I felt like a million miles away from society that I had been so stressed and trapped in. And I was learning these different things and discovering parts of myself that I didn't know existed. And then when I had this image, it was it was like this moment of look how far I've come and look how I've transformed myself even just in two months. And like the, the peace and freedom. And I knew in that vision, like I, I was going to change the world. I was so committed that I was going to write this book and speak, which A, I had never written, published anything in my life. And B, you know, spoke, speaking in front of people, like none of that either. Yeah. So then they look at me and they're like, Oh my gosh, I can feel this like passion oozing out of you. And I'll never forget. I, I couldn't sleep the entire night. Uh, I remember getting out of my bed at like four or five in the morning and just writing in my journal cause I couldn't sleep anymore. And that was the moment that I knew that I was going to come home and write a book and, and share my story and my message in this journey. Oh man. I love that. That's, um, that's that's crazy. That's similar to like what I hear a lot of my friends go through when they're in Peru with ayahuasca and stuff, and 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 these kinds of of moments where where they do they do get kind of, I guess like I guess like visions or like they it's and I know like like you like super like skeptical of it and super like but, but once you finally tune through, you're like, this is like a no brainer, right? Like you've gone this far already, and now. It's insane, and like you, you did write the book, by the way, and you did get on the stage, and it's 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 crazy. the The book is called uh, "Off the Bean Trail: A Young Man's Soul Searching Journey Through Central America." Like, how long? Uh, wh- wh- how did you like? How did you even write this book? Like, where it's like you came back home and then you just wrote it, and like intensely throughout, like for whatever period of time, and then or how? What was that like? What was that journey like? Yeah, so I come home and I'm. And, you know, that goal is front and center. And literally the day after I come home, I start writing the first words of my book, Um, having no idea, like at this point, having no clue about the business side of writing a book or like how to do it. I just started pouring out my story. I just wrote 
And for literally the next three months, uh, I got a job in a restaurant and I was living back uh, at my dad's apartment and I just would work on my book. I'd wake up early. I'd wake up at 5.30 in the morning and I you know, was never like an early morning person, but I would jump out of bed at 5.30. Like literally, I'd, I felt like I was being pulled out of bed every morning. And I would make my, or I'd do my little morning meditation, my gratitude journaling, uh, my visualization, and I would make coffee and I would just write. And I would usually write four to five hours. I wouldn't check my phone or any social media or email until 10 a.m. And then I would go kind of, you know, edit and work on some other things. And then I would go to work around three, four o'clock till the evening. And that was pretty much my life for over a year. Um, but after three months, I had written the first draft. And then as I was writing it, like after I'd write it around 10, 11 a.m., I would start researching next steps and how to like, you know, start building my own brand and business. So I was doing like blogging and starting to make videos and practicing speaking. I joined Toastmasters. And so each of those things was kind of helping me build up my brand, which I didn't even quite know, like building a brand. I just remember reading online and, you know, I was... I didn't know for sure if these things were right, but it was like start a blog and I did that. And my blog, to be honest, like it didn't even have that many people who would read it. I probably had like a hundred people on my email list and and probably like twenty people who would actually read every one I wrote. Yeah. But it was I loved it and I just felt this passion for expressing my ideas. And that was kind of helping me learn about marketing in a weird way, which like tied in later. And so after writing the first draft, uh, I figured out how to hire an editor and all the other components of a book. And I mean, the editing process was like an eight month thing. It was so intense because I had friends and family read it. And then I had like a, a psychologist that I know read it and a, a AP professor uh, from high school read it. And then I had uh, a cousin who edits for a living read it. Like, and then I sent it to my professional editor who was like, you know, expensive. And then I had more people read it and give me feedback on Facebook. And then I had the idea back in, so I got to give the, the listeners a little bit of timeline. So I get home from my journey in July of 2015 mm-hmm. and I start writing it. And then come about October, I had the idea to do a Kickstarter campaign to crowdfund uh, money so I could pay for an editor and other book expenses. So I, I got a friend who's a filmmaker to help me film a trailer and I created this whole campaign. And then I launched it in March and raised like $6,000, which helped pay for my editor and a couple book uh, cover design and formatting and all the things that are entailed in a book. And it was also a huge pre-book launch buzz, and it gave me some credibility and media feature, which was great. And it was almost like this strategy that I didn't even, wasn't aware of, of helping get myself known and, and kind of tell people that this book is on the way, which was really cool. And that led to you know, inspiring people, even just through that, who, who didn't even, I don't even know if they'd read the book, but they're like, wow, man, this video really touched me. Um, cause I spent a lot of time working on the video, which was so much fun for me. And then, yeah, the, the kind of journey progressed. And I also, uh, I decided I was going to self publish that I didn't really want to even go down the traditional route because I was so, uh, ambitiously impatient to get my book out. And I didn't want to yeah. submit a book proposal and wait and maybe be rejected and have like a six month period or whatever. I didn't have any connections like into that world. So I was like, I'm just going to self publish it. And I knew that if I self publish it, I needed to have some social proof and credibility for people to take me serious publishing the book as a 19 year old. So man, I wrote down a list of everyone I dreamed of getting my book, Drew Brees, Jack Canfield, uh, John Asaraf, Chris Gillibo, you know, Oprah, all these people. And I would visualize every day myself meeting these people. And uh, I did, in fact, I met Drew Brees, I met Jack Canfield, I, I had a meeting scheduled with John Asaraf for a while that mm. it kept getting postponed. And uh, I got a lot of no's. I, got, I remember Donald Miller got back to me, uh, some of these guys, and I got a lot of no's, but I also got two yeses. I got Chris Gillibo wrote my back cover endorsement, and uh, Jack Canfield, uh, so he's like one of my mentors, and he's he wrote my front cover endorsement. And I've gone to his house now and he's interviewed me actually, because this is kind of a crazy story. Um, if anyone's ever interested in like how to, you know, get an endorsement or even just connect with someone who's like influential like that, 
all I saw was on Facebook was that he was doing a seminar in LA yeah. and I'm in San Diego. It's about a two hour drive and I didn't have a car at the time. My book wasn't finished, but I scrapped together this beta version of my book, no back cover. I formatted it myself, not even finished editing, but the, you know, the essence was there. And I borrowed my dad's car. I drove up to the seminar. It's an eight hour seminar. It was great. And to give a little context, I had read three of Jack's books and applied his principles to get my first speaking gig and to have my book to where it was. So like his principles were making a profound impact in my life. So I go up and I write this handwritten letter with my book and I, you know, I'm wanting to give it to him after the seminar. There's literally a three hour line wait to meet Jack and I wanted to be the last person to meet him. So I'd have hopefully a little bit more time with him. Yeah. And while I'm waiting in line, I hit it off with his team. Uh, he's got a big team, of course, uh, that helps him with all of his projects. And they were like really inspired by my story. And we just hit it off. And then I got to meet Jack. And it was so exciting. Like I'd imagined it a million times. I gave him my book with a letter in it. And it was great. We talked for like a minute. And that was kind of it. And I, I didn't really know if I'd ever hear from him again. And I hoped that I would. And then about a month later, I get an email from his team inviting me to his five-day seminar that's $3,500 and they wanted to sponsor my ticket because yeah. they saw something in me. So it was amazing. And then I, I went to the seminar and had this incredible time. And I still hadn't heard about Jack from the endorsement, but I was meeting like people that have changed my life since at this seminar. And the day I published my book, which was five months from the time that I had first met Jack in LA at that seminar, at, yeah. the, at the one day one, not the five day one. Yeah. But five months after that point, I get an email from him the day I published my book saying, Jake, love the book. Here's your endorsement. <laughs> and it was like, it was crazy, man. Um, just the process and how, like, I really put myself out there for that. Uh, I went to Drew Brees' house, like I mentioned, and, and I, like, that was an interesting story. I have a video I made about that. Uh, and I, you know, I didn't hear back from him, but like I put myself out there so many times, but it was, I knew like for, if I had an endorsement from someone like Jack or Chris, or one of these guys who I loved and personally looked up to, you know, other people might be more willing to read it. And so that was kind of how I did that part. Oh man. I, I love this. Like, this is like straight up fire. I love this conversation we're having, man. Like Jake, like you're, you're a rock star, man. Like I, I, man, we're. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say because like it's so awesome. Because like, dude, talk about talk about like huge, huge like shifts and 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 from like from from even you know from two months in and then taking like you know that ritual and then and then and then telling about it to people and then not being judged about it and then going coming back home and then having the specific vision that you want to literally live it, bring it bring it to fruition and then have it into like reality and then. It's just it's insane. Like it's it's. I love this so much. I love the story because like I uh, we have a lot of mutual friends. Actually, we have um like I had like my, my friend Bruce Langford and Shelly Varela as well too that we that, that introduced us. But um, I, every single one that that had your book was like I really love this book and it, I because I recognize it through the cover. I, I seen this book and and then my friend Bruce was like he's this amazing amazing kid that just lived his life. And purposely, and it was just amazing. I hear, like, I'm like, wow, like, that's crazy. Like, I can't wait to, like, one day interview him, and here we are today. It's crazy. Oh, man, that's awesome. And thank you for the kind words, man. I appreciate it. And, yeah, Bruce is a rock star, and same with Shelly. Man. Oh, my gosh. So, so, so the book, the book, and, and all together, and then you even did, like, you know, a campaign as well, too. So, so how did you tie into, you know, with the stage? How did you bring that into fruition as well, too? Yeah, it's funny. I came home and I knew I knew like there's there's a couple things in my life where I, I knew with absolute certainty I would do, even though there was no physical proof of it happening. Yeah. One was the book, two was speaking, and I knew when I got home I would give a TEDx talk. I actually in my room I have the vision board that I made in September of 2015 after I come home. Yeah, and there's like a TEDx logo, and. uh about a year and a half after I'd done that, 2015. Oh no, over like about almost, I think over two years after I did that, uh, I gave my first TED talk. So again, it started with this like unsatiable desire and knowingness that I was going to make it happen. And the, the tangible step I did was 
uh, I joined Toastmasters, which is like an international speaking club. They have them in tons of cities in the world. Um, I don't know. Have you heard of Toastmasters? Yeah, yeah. It's like gotcha. You, yeah, so like there's everywhere around the world they have it too as well, right? Yeah, because I knew I was going to be speaking. Like I knew it, and I was like, okay, well, how do I learn how to speak? And I think one of my natural strengths is my ability to communicate uh, with written or spoken word. So I kind of had a little bit of like practice with communicating and, but Toastmasters really like was my first step because it was like practice every week you go and you get to go up in front of people and you're not necessarily giving a speech every week, but you're, you're at least doing improv or, or doing something. Yeah. And then I did get my first speech there about my story. It was like a five minute speech. I think it's on my YouTube channel. Actually, it was like called follow your gut. And that, you know, that speech ended up evolving into what I spoke in my TED talk about like two and a half years later, which is so funny. But yeah, that was the, the start of just practicing. And I remember getting on a, the phone with a friend who knew this woman who organizes a TEDx event. And she was like, hey, uh, this woman, the organizer said that you should record, start making YouTube videos or so you, so people can like learn about what who you are and what you have to say. So I remember I recorded my first video called um, what was it called? It's like, what if you died tomorrow or something like that? Yeah. And it was like, so funny, but, uh, I loved it. And I actually got a great response on it. It has like six or 700 views, which was like a lot. And I was just excited. Like, wow, like people, A, it wasn't for anyone else, but like people were resonating it when B, it was like cool to get myself out there. And once I made that first video, I made tons of other ones just about topics I was curious about. And it's not like I was getting a lot of views, but it was I was getting practice speaking and giving someone a chance to see me as a speaker. And then I reached out to the vice principal from my high school and I told him like, Hey, I'd love to speak to, to the high school that I went to. And he said, okay. Uh, we, and we grabbed coffee and, and I told him about what I'd done and he really, he liked what I had to say and he believed in my message. So he connected me with the person who puts on assemblies for, for I went to high school and I didn't know this guy at all. And we, we had a meeting and, and we had an hour and a half meeting. We totally hit it off. And he said, okay, Jake, you're going to be our keynote speaker along with a CrossFit champion in front of 2000 kids at our wellness week center, uh, uh, assembly in March of 2016. And man, <laughs> I was excited and nervous, you know, first a legitimate speaking gig in front of 2000 kids. And I didn't have my book out at this point. I just launched my Kickstarter like a week or two before that speech yeah but uh man i practiced so much for it and that first speech was like a game changer too because i talked about mental health and you know how your mess can lead to your message and finding purpose and having the courage to listen to your inner voice and i mean i you know that 2000 kids and it was like it was deep stuff like kids were coming up to me after like some kids were crying talking about their own issues with like suicide and, and anxiety and depression. And, you know, people have real problems. Yeah. And I think for them and why the administrators wanted me to speak was because I had a unique opportunity as a 19 year old kid to connect with other kids who are my age, whereas most speakers are like 50 or whatever. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's like, you know, kind of a, a cool, unique proposition. There's no common ground, right? Like there's, there's no, you know, like something about like a 50 year old compared to like, you know, someone, someone that's not too far off from you. It's like, it's just more comforting that way. Totally. Yeah. It was like relatability. That's yeah. totally what it was. Thank you for saying that. Cause that made me think of that word. Uh, so yeah, that first speech led to, and then it was like, once I gave that speech, it led to speaking at a couple other high schools in the district. And then, uh, Later in the year, I published my book and I got some press uh, like locally in like San Diego Union Tribune. And I just started like applying for a bunch of TED Talks and I didn't hear back from some. And then I, I got a couple and that was kind of how I did that. And then I gave the TED Talk in, in April of 2017 and they still hadn't released my video. There was like an issue with some of the files, although I have it, which I cannot rate, wait to release. And Man, I poured my heart and soul into that video, so I can't wait for it to be live. But it's mm. called "How to Replace Anxiety with Purpose." Oh, I love it, man! Like this is like this is amazing. I love this so much because, like, man, you 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 followed this this inner calling, right? You you followed it where most people would bury it or struggle to try to bring it out. It it's amazing to hear this because it's it's such a you know. S 
like I said, like it, it's it's amazing that you're asking these kind of questions at 18, right? And and then now like you took these initial steps. Now I, I love it so much, man. Like what I guess like what what was it like? Like what was it like in preparations for the like the the, the TEDx like speech and like what was what was um what was that all about? Like were you were you like very anxious? Were you excited? Were you what was that? Can you run us through that a little bit? Thanks, man. And, and yeah, I, I mean, I practiced so much. So I would, I would practice, I practiced at Toastmasters. I practiced, uh, in front of two different high school classes that were willing to hear me practice. I practiced in my room probably 50 times. Like we're talking a lot of practice. Uh, and I hired a, a speaking coach to help me. So those were like the steps that I took. And then the first Ted talk did not go so well, actually. So it's funny. I gave the same exact TEDx talk at two different TEDx events. In the first event, uh, I was the last speaker. And here's a, a tip if anyone in the audience is uh, speaking or anyone, any of the listeners want to speak or are currently speaking is do not listen to the speakers before you. Yeah. And it's not disrespect to them. But for me, like I had this, I was exhausted after listening to six speakers and uh, I should have just sat by myself in the back. There wasn't really a back room. It wasn't the most, it wasn't a very well organized event to be honest. Uh, but I should have just allowed myself to be calm and have my own focus. And, and I just had this awful headache by the time I went on stage and my mic didn't work. And I just gave the talk without my, my microphone. And it was kind of, uh, uh, it was not my best performance. I left out like a minute from my speech, which was one of the most important parts. And I remember just feeling pretty upset about it after because I, I'd nailed my talk out of the park the day before uh, in front of the class. And I was frustrated. And then, I literally got a, an email like two weeks later from the from the the administrator of where I gave that first high school talk, connecting me with a TEDx organizer in San Diego where I live. And they said, hey, we have one more spot for a speaker. This event's in a week. Do you want to do it? <laughs> and so I'm like, yes, I'd love to do it. I just did one and it didn't go well. Yes. So then I got in that opportunity, which is great. And man, I gave it was 100 percent this time. I knew the advice of not listening to any of the other speakers and I just felt like calm and prepared. And this time I had like an assistant, like each speaker had an assistant with to make sure our mic was good and that we were good and give us water. <laughs> it was yeah. like such a, uh, the thing with TEDx events or is be, the X stands for independently organized. So each event production is going to be different. They have to meet certain guidelines from TED, but you know, the production and quality of the event can range. So the second one was much, much better. And yeah, I'm just so excited for that talk to be out. <laughs> oh man, was there besides besides not listening to to the other talks? What were what were you doing differently this time compared to the first time? You know, I think it's it's not. I'm not quite sure. Like, what didn't go well the first time, other than what I had shared? Because um, like I have kind of have like my own ritual, which is before a talk, like I'll take a walk. I always meditate and kind of visualize. And the other thing is, I think I was much more relaxed than the second time I gave it, oddly enough, yeah. because I think I just was like too nervous the first time or like I was almost like too controlling of wanting the outcome to be perfect. And I kind of just let go of that the second time. Yeah, uh, I felt I felt much more catered to, though, because the, we had a rehearsal day for that one, too, on like the first one. So I, I felt like I was in good hands. But in terms of my own prep, yeah, I do a morning walk. I do like a meditation and visualization. And I always really connect with my why. So like I just brought myself back to the day where I was like my worst days, uh, crying in the dorm stairwells, uh, having the, the worst skin breakouts. And I thought of other people that I'd written about these like awful heart-wrenching stories of, of a college student who commit suicide, who seemed to have everything together. Yeah. Of you know, And I just like I feel the emotion and the pain because like that's why I'm doing this talk. And 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 that for me is also huge because it kind of gets you away from the ego of like, well, I look good because, you know, we all have that as we're going to speak. Yeah. You know, you don't look bad, but it like to connect with my why is always so important. And it because it gets me out of that and into that full service mode. And yeah, this time, you know, I practiced, I did the rehearsal and, and what was my time? I just it just it went swim like smoothly and and it just felt right. Man, I kudos to you like you man, like seriously, it's. I love this chat right now because there's so much to learn from you because like it's it, it, it's it's amazing and c congratulations by the way and I want to take a moment for that 
what's what's next? What's what's uh, what's something that you've been passionate about? A project that you've been uh, super stoked about, man. Thank you, thank you, Paul. And I'm yeah, it's funny. So about a month ago, I launched my first online product with my mentor and, and business partner, and where it's like an online course that helps people uh, land their first talk, whether that's a TEDx talk or a certain other talk that they want to give, and then how to write your talk, how to get clear on your idea, how to structure it, how to practice it, how to deliver it. So like all the things you were just talking about and how to spread it online to get tons of views and to get more paid gigs. My my mentor, his name's Taylor Conroy, and he's given four TED Talks. He's spoken over 100,000 people uh, at the United Nations, at Harvard, at all these places, which all happened from one TED Talk. It actually led to him starting a global movement of funding millions of dollars to raise hundreds of, uh, raising millions of dollars to fund uh, hundreds of schools in developing countries around the world. Yes. And that it was from a TED talk he gave in 2011 called How to Build a School in Three Hours. And so, man, I could tell you like so many other stories of how I ended up working with him, which is kind of funny, again, from kind of being lost and confused or like not knowing my next step and taking a leap of faith which led me down like eight different steps, which eventually connected me with him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm working with him now and like mentoring under him and we just launched that. So I'm really passionate about helping other people get their message out in the world and speak because I just love both of those things. And you know, it's the messages we have that can change the world and there is a way to get paid for them and make that your living. So it's, it's really cool. Oh man, I, I'd be a bad podcaster if I don't, uh, you know, plug this in. Like, what's the um, uh, website for for well, it's that? It's so funny. We don't even have like a website, but we have uh, like you can get the list of all the, the. So we have a list, like an opt-in of where you can get. I think it's like two hundred uh, applications to different TEDx events in the U.S. and Canada, and okay. that's just it's at taylorconroy dot com. Okay, and it will just direct you to there. And then in terms of the course uh, launch, it's on Teachable, and it's called Book Your Talk in Seven Days. But if anyone's interested, I would say uh, reach out to me. You can email me, my name, jakeheilbrunn at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook. I actually am currently on another uh, month social media detox till I don't know when this is going live, till February 13th of 2018. So I'm not going to be on too much. But if you email me, that's probably the best way. And I could help anyone who's interested in in speaking or, or potentially checking out the course. I'd be happy to share it with them. All right. February sounds about right. You know what? I'm going to follow you right now on, on Instagram, on the gram. <laughs> Sweet, bro. Well, I'll be following you back on February 13th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> I love it. All right. Yeah, so for all those path hunters who are listening to this right now, um, you guys can find him on Instagram as well too, Jake Heilbrunn. So H E I L, well uh, E I L, yeah, B R U N N. It's two N's. It's kind of stuck there for a moment there. It's but, a hard one to spell. <laughs> I love it though, man. That's so exciting, man. I'm so I'm so you know, for for someone that's that's I guess like from our peers and like you know that, that are listening to this you know, that are going through something, they really want to do something with their life, what kind of advice or kind of resources would you recommend um, for them just to help them along with this kind of path or this kind of conclusion? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think one thing for me, which was great was reading. So like reading books that you're just curious about, and you know, everyone has different interests. I started reading books about, uh, you know, travel and, and spirituality, those are like the first things I was interested in. And then it kind of opened my eyes to the possibility of travel. A second thing is, uh, is getting away from the noise. So whether that's not going on your phone for like one day out of the week or doing like two weeks with no social media stuff or choosing to do a, a morning meditation or a run or just a moment in silence, I think especially our generation is so stimulated constantly that sometimes it's hard to connect with your own true voice of like what you actually want, not what society wants for you. So I think, you know, creating that space is really important. And then just like remembering that, you know, when I, when I dropped out of school and and made that decision, like I shared of the best thing that could happen, I had no idea, like I was going to go to Guatemala. I didn't know what country I was going to go to. I didn't know like how everything was going to unfold. I didn't even know who Taylor Conroy was like, 13 months ago who I'm working with now, like these things all happen from just taking the first step and like the book, you know, I wrote the first words and then figured out the next thing. So 
I think it's it's not necessarily like if you are in that stage of trying to figure out your next step is like don't put so much pressure on yourself of having to have it all figured out and know the end result. But if you know the direction you want to go, just take that first step because it will open up doors that you can't see yet and just have faith in yourself that it will work out. But it all starts with that first action step. I love it, man. I, um, I appreciate this, man. Like it's, it's crazy. I love this chat. I want to be respectful of your time, man. I'm going to ask you a few more questions and, uh, and we're going to wrap things up. Sounds awesome, man. Uh, before we get into that though, I just want to say, man, like, thank you so much for everything that you do, Jake, you know, everything for being so brave for being, you know, putting yourself out there and to show that the world that no matter what age, you know, you can always live your dream. It doesn't even matter if, if you know if you're gonna make it or not. It just it's all about your own listen, like listening to your own inner voice. And I appreciate you for doing that. And dude, continue it, man. It's, I love it. Thank you, Paul. I I really appreciate that. It means a lot, man. And uh, for those path hunters who wants to, you know, send you an email or, or ask you, you did you did plug it in a little bit earlier. But uh, any other ways of uh, you know connecting with you? Yeah, so my name is J-A-K-E, Jake Heilbrunn, H-E-I-L-B-R-U-N-N. And that's my website, jakeheilbrunn.com, my email, and all same thing on all social stuff. So, yeah, uh, again, I will be off social for a little bit, but email is always probably the best way at this moment. And, yeah, if you have any questions or I can help, you know, connect you with uh, someone or an organization or any way to help, feel free to reach out. Man, I'm so stoked that there there are, you know, people like you out there who are just doing amazing stuff like this and just encouraging young, you know, you're just empower, empowering youth, right? I love that. It's it's such a such an inspiring place. I I just love it. I can't I have no 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 other words for it. It's just great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it, man. I love it, man. Dude, um, you know, this show is called the path hunters podcast so when you hear the term path hunters what comes to mind man i love that phrase for me it's it's having the audacity to create your path to hunt your path to to be the one who writes your future and i think i think that is the difficult choice in life you know there's this quote tim ferris says like hard i just read this thing you shared it was like hard choices easy life or easy choices hard life and i think being a path hunter is the more difficult choice because there's a lot of unknowns, but it's also the most rewarding and fulfilling one because you are taking control of your destiny. And so I think that's what it means to be a path hunter. That's me clapping. I fucking love that. <laughs> I fucking love that. Man, I love it. All right. So so San Diego's pretty busy, right? I've been there once. I drove by to on uh, my way to San Fran. Um, yeah, it's kind of like LA's uh, more calm younger brother. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, that's that's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> like, where, yeah, I love that. Uh, well, you've been to L.A. too. It's busy, right? It's busy and, and there's a lot of people going by and stuff. And I'm going to paint you this picture. Uh, you know, you have this cardboard sign and you're in the middle of the street, busy street, people walking by, driving by, and you're able to write one message or advice to impact all these people's lives in a positive way. What message or advice would this be and why? Ooh, okay. So I have one sentence. Man, I think I would honestly ask the question, what do you truly desire? And I would write that because I believe that the reason that people do not do what they want to do in life is because they never give themselves permission to A, acknowledge what they want, and B, give themselves permission to go after what they want because we've just suppressed it and, and told ourselves it's not possible. So asking that question, I hope would allow people to think, you know, what do I truly desire? Oh, I freaking love it. Jake Halbrun in the house, everybody. Thank you so much, brother, for jumping onto the podcast, man. It's been a pleasure and honor and dude, keep doing your thing. I love it. Thank you, Paul. It's been a blast. Have yourself a great one. Take care. Guys. 
guys. That was my friend Jake Halbron onto the podcast. Jake, honestly, thank you, thank you so much, man, for jumping onto the podcast, my friend, and all you Path Hunters. So, you guys got amazing insights out of that as well, too. You know, even though you know he's young and everything like that, it doesn't matter. Age is just a number, guys. You know, if you can do it, you put your mind to your heart and everything like that. Don't care. You know, don't worry about everybody else's opinions and just do your thing and do you. And I think that's what's really important about today's episode because I. That's why one of my takeaways, you know, it's even though at an age, whatever whatever age you're at, just do you. That's all that really matters, right? So hope you guys enjoyed this episode and guys keep an eye out for this new instagram course and i'm gonna actually kind of help everyone build up and become an instagram pro it's gonna be exciting for that as well too so i'm hyping it up and talking about it and everything like that so guys hope you guys enjoyed this episode see you guys later take care i hope you guys enjoyed that remember to subscribe share and review thank you for taking the time for listening to this podcast you can always find me at pathhunters.com stay awesome and know that you can become a path hunter today